Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheos Ireland. I'm Karen Dempsey. And I'm Fred Curtis, and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies. Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheus Ireland. This podcast is all about being a celebrant or looking for a celebrant or what is a celebrant. So my name is Fred Curtis. I'm going to be one of the hosts and I'm joined by my co-host Karen Dempsey. Very excited to be here with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Fisher Price, my first podcast. Yay. (laughs) Um, So I think... The best thing to start is why reimagining reimagining ceremonies? Like why, maybe why did we pick that name and why did we feel there was a space for us to come and chat about the world of celebrancy? I think it's a good place to start, all right, because the reason this organisation exists is because I really wanted to reimagine ceremony, what it means in the world, how it can serve the world and how we as celebrants and people can be agents for change in the world through ceremony. Um, There's a whole piece around ceremony. I mean, my background, I I grew up in a family where we had a priest, my uncle's a priest. So I grew up in a family where we had ceremonies tailored to us all the time. And it was only as I became an adult and started going to other people's ceremonies that I saw how jarring it is when there's a celebrant who does not know the person or who is not invested or interested in actually yeah. making, creating a ceremony around the family. Um, and it was so, so stark. Um, so for me, there was that piece, the kind of traditional faith path, ceremonies within the existing traditional tra- faith paths, alongside the new trend for what I would call commercial celebrancy, which is celebrancy where the drive is coming from a different place. And I saw a huge gap in the middle for... An organisation that exists to serve in a service capacity to serve people, but also to be new, to be vibrant, to be inclusive, to be all of these things that I just wasn't seeing in the existing organisations. Yeah. And I think that's why we're kind of putting this podcast together. Um, and we're going to share a little bit of our own journeys yes. um, to becoming a celebrant or being a celebrant. We're at very different stages. But I think uh, coming to this podcast and coming to this conversation it's kind of breaking down those walls breaking down those barriers Mm. of being a celebrant um I'd love to know what you're kind of hoping to get from this podcast like because there's so many podcasts out there there's so many celebrants out there like and like the two worlds do they mix in a way for me I always said no and then I was like there's so many conversations to be had around being a celebrant and being in the kind of ceremony world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where do you have conversations and share conversations? Do it on a podcast. But why do you think creating this podcast space um, is valuable? And what are you hoping to get from it? Whether that be professional, personal? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, a big part of this podcast and what's different about this podcast is that very often if I sit down and I see, oh, a celebrant has done a podcast, I, I, I'm interested, I'll, I'll watch it because that's my, or I listen to it, that's my professional space. And I find that with all the love in the world, it tends to be, uh, it tends to be a podcast about 
what you, the nuts and bolts of a ceremony, as in what you can have in your ceremony. Yeah. Um, oh, you can have anything, and then filter around you, and, blah, 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 and there's a sand ceremony, you can have a poem. And I'm bored of listening to that. That bores me to tears, okay. because anybody can do that. Now you're putting um, the expectation that we can do that. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely can. We absolutely can. We can do all of that. Yeah. But that's the ice, that, that's, you know, surface stuff. We can do so mm-hmm. much more. And that's the point of this, um, point of this organisation is that we don't exist to just hold the, the shop front ceremony. We, as celebrants, are interested in so much more. We're interested in, in what goes on behind um, the front of, and I, I'm mindful of my language, but, you know, but what goes on behind the scenes? When somebody comes, when a couple comes and they say, we're getting married next week, um, well, it won't be next week, we're getting married, whatever, in six months' time, and we'd like to create our ceremony. Um, sometimes there's a, th- you could take the path of going down and saying, what poems do you want? What sound, mm-hmm. all that. But what we actually do is we listen to the couple in front of us. Yeah. We don't ask them a hundred questions. We don't need to get a whole, you know, investigative thing going on before we hold their ceremony. We can take them at face value where they are. Yeah. Um, and our ceremony happens in the moment, in the space. And yes, we prepare it. And of course we will have an outline and a script and that kind of thing. But there's no pressure on a couple to actually really feel like they have to have a certain s- style of ceremony. Because with all the, when somebody says, you can have anything you need in your ceremony or anything you want in your ceremony, very often that's not helpful to a couple who are yeah, already true. overwhelmed by decisions. Um, some couples love it and they want to, ha- to have the finer details. But th- in my experience, the majority of couples are so relieved when somebody else says, I've got this. I'll ask you some simple questions, you tell me that, and I will take it from there, and we'll hold this together. Yeah. And the ceremony will be created in the moment, on the day, with all of your people, and you two at the centre of it. And isn't it empowering to be the person to do that? I always love, at the end of a call with a couple, um, or rarely I meet people in person, but if I do, saying, that's it, you don't need to worry about yeah. this, go sort everything else you need to sort out, I have got this. And if you've done your job correctly, they walk away going, I trust that they, like that Fergus got this. And it's exciting for me to hear you say that because Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what I want to teach. Remember somebody saying, when you learn, teach. And that's what I learned as I was coming through and I had good teachers. um, And I think that's so important for celebrants. I even, I'm, I'm, cagey about the word celebrant either be, even because it's that little bit separate yeah um but as people who are going to go out there and hold ceremony um that is the key and i think that that line is exactly it when you can say to a couple if we do nothing else between now and the day of your ceremony we're sorted yeah what we've just created here is enough for your ceremony and yeah. they go oh they breathe they breathe and it's interesting two things you said there one is around language a lot of the language like ceremony and there's other language that you might use on a call um and even the couple are using the language because that's what they know that i'm still getting my head around because that's the terminology i have to say this is what you want or this is what you could have but i'm not necessarily comfortable with that terminology you know so it's um it's like it's very interesting um and actually i remember when i was training with you and we all discussed the word minister mm-hmm. and if we wanted to be ministers um or if we needed a title even which yeah. we don't necessarily need one and i remember usually i'd have a lot of kind of i wouldn't say opinions but thoughts of language and labels and stuff like that like i do sit with a lot of 
those things. Um, and I remember you looked at me and you just said, Fergal, how do you feel about minister? And I was like, you can call me <laughs> minister all you like. I am reclaiming yep. that word. Yep. Like, I just love that. So yeah. even in some of the language that I'm like, oh, I'm not quite comfortable to use that. I'm also like, I, I'm reclaiming it in my way because yep. I know what I mean by it. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing I did want to say was just on the point that you said about the ceremony doesn't need to be, it can be anything you want. It can be everything you want. But I remember coming in, so we're recording in City Sanctuary, which is where Entheus Ireland is kind of based. Yeah. And I remember coming in here, I can't even remember the reason, but we came in and you said there's a couple popping in to get married. They they just don't really want a lot. They just want to come in, little ritual, uh, do their legal parts, toast a little like Prosecco. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, grand, I'll be around. And, you know, myself and Adrian, who works for Entheus Ireland uh, and is also a celebrant herself, mm-hmm. we were kind of poshing around doing stuff. And I remember standing over there and you did the ceremony and it was very simple. And still, when it got to them doing the married, we are married bit, it was so special. And that was the moment I was like, that is just it. That is the foundation. That's the crux. Two people standing there just saying, yeah, I want this. You know, and everything else is really nice and really beautiful. But to have been in that moment and to just see you don't need all that because this is what it's about. And that's what I carry in all my ceremonies being like, this is what it's about and everything else just makes it either more beautiful or more special to the couple um so yeah I just I adore that kind of point that you said I think let's move on to our own personal journeys because I think there's loads of areas as to why we want to do this podcast why we want to have these conversations um and they'll hopefully come through in the next few episodes but let's learn a little bit about where Karen the Celebrant is today and how you got here because this is going to be two very different yeah. journeys and two very <laughs> different stages which is another reason we're doing this because we're at different yeah. stages yes it's so exciting um, so Karen will be talking for about 20 minutes yeah. and I'll be talking for two <laughs> I'm going to try and condense it down yes <laughs> I'm also mindful you speak at a different speed than I do so people will be speed up slow down speed up. <laughs> so I'll try button. and slow it down But to try and keep this in a nutshell, I mentioned earlier on that I had grown up in a family where we did have, my uncle is a priest, um, and he holds the most beautiful ceremony. So we had the the gift of that growing up for our different milestone ceremonies, somebody who knew us and knew our Mm -hmm. names and knew knew everybody's names. Um, And I took that, to be honest, to a certain extent for granted until I started seeing how it was done elsewhere. So that kind of laid the foundation. I never thought I wanted to be a celebrant. I never thought, you know, that that was... That dot wasn't joined up till many years later. But when I began to work, I was always kind of drawn towards service-based roles, um, okay. you know, nursing and volunteering. And I, always, I volunteered massively through my teens. And I, and I volunteered because I got a kick out of it. To be like, the honest, I, I, it wasn't because I was serving all these people and being, you know, that's the, ter- that's the surface stuff. But I loved that feeling. That's almost like the, this is the reason I do it. And these are all the benefits that come from yes, it as well. Yes. You've got to have that inner drive to yeah. do it for whatever reason. Exactly. And you need to own it. Self-awareness is really important. Because yeah. if I was to sit here and say, I volunteered for years because I helped so many people, la, 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 
that's not the reason. When people go into roles of service, ultimately it's the person themselves who... who well, like, the it goes to that, like, when I give to myself, I'm able to give back. And if you're going into a role of service, you have to be giving to yourself within the position so then you're able to give out your best. and yeah. But yeah, on the surface, it can look like I'm just doing it for... I love yeah. that. That's really interesting. It can really be shadowy. It can, it's shadowy. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, that's another podcast, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's another podcast. episode. Because um, here we are, look. <laughs> we said, we did say we were like, <laughs> wow, like what episodes will we come up with? And we sat down and we tried to be like, this episode, this... And we just... We were like, let's just start and do one episode yeah. about NTS Ireland. And then just before we started, we were like, oh, that would be a good episode. Yeah. And now yeah. we've come up with another one. I love it. Okay, so many, so many, so many episodes <laughs> come to mind. We're going to anyway, do that a lot. So how did I get into this? Uh, a little bit of an interest in ceremony that wasn't very conscious as I was growing up. Right, That's the first bit. Um, then I went into nursing and I was only 17 when I started nursing. I was 20 when I qualified. The hierarchy of nursing nearly killed me. I mm. despised it, but I loved, I did love the role. Um, I loved a lot about the work. So I qualified and at 20 years of age and I went straight to Aer Lingus, <laughs> pretty much. But I, I kept nursing. I didn't want to take on a solid role in the, in the hospital. So I kept nursing and I went into um, the Rotunda. So I worked in the Rotunda. Yeah and the realms of birth and I worked in the for the Irish Hospice Foundation for the Cancer Society Home Nursing Service. So I was doing two roles, um, one birth related, one death related. Um, and the birth role unfortunately does always encompass death as well. Sometimes death comes before birth, which is a, I mean, I think we'll have to trigger warning our episodes actually, because I'm already going into that. Yeah. Um, but I was fascinated by the human experience of birth and death um, and by people's beliefs and what were my own beliefs and there's a whole big question there. I mean, that was back in the late 90s, um, early 2000s and the conversations were very different then. The quality of conversation was different. Um, the quality of conversation now, not, I don't mean to say better or worse, but um, I mean, if we bring the word God in here, the way people discussed their understanding of God then and now I see huge differences in it mm. but a part of that is because I'm so fascinated by it I'm interested in drawing out people's um, thoughts yeah and I'm also very unattached to the notion of people's understanding of God it's the God of your own understanding but um, in times of birth and death spiritual belief does come in even when people are saying I don't really believe anything or I don't know what I believe that conversation will come up so I was working in that area, then I went um, various different roles and uh, I went into a more commercial arena, I was working in the pharmaceutical industry which just did not sit well with me at all but I was many years there, learned loads um, and then I, while I was working there I began studying a master's in psychotherapy and I studied uh, psychosynthesis psychotherapy which is a kind of a transpersonal based psychotherapy i.e. slightly spiritual, or, you know, not God spiritual but personal spiritual. So I'd done the body through nursing. I'd done um, the mind through my psychotherapy master's. I studied mindfulness for junior doctors. That was my, my thesis title um, because I was fascinated. I wanted to incorporate, you know, the kind of hippie realm <laughs> with the scientific realm. And body and mind, I still found it still wasn't quite enough. So I went on and then I did two years training with the Interfaith Foundation to become an interfaith minister. That was two years over in the UK. 
over and back once a month, every weekend, and I um, really explored that edge between belief and non-belief, because that fascinated me. Because I found that the conversations I, were having, I was having were always about the threshold between belief and non-belief. And I realised that in this country, in Ireland, we have so much trauma, so much institutional trauma from all of the institutions and the church being one of them, um, that there was this big gap between um, people who have a, a strong faith, well, actually, people who have a strong faith in the God of their understanding, which is not necessarily the same as some people as well having a strong faith in a church that they yeah, absolutely. belong to. Uh, some people that were completely ostracized by that church that they longed to belong to, and then people who were kind of describing themselves as atheist or agnostic or, you know, with no belief. But somewhere here in the middle, there's this huge, fertile middle ground. And for Irish people, we've such strong pre-Christian beliefs that are still somewhere in our bones mm -hmm. and our superstitions and our seasonal uh, understanding. And, um, and that really, really fascinated me. And that's a big part of where Entheos Ireland stemmed from. There's another big aspect around inclusivity as well um, that I'll get to in a moment. But yeah. There you go. There's your 20 minutes of uh, <laughs> my background and how I got here. So where you're at now is you've set up Entheos Ireland yes. in the last two years. So all of that led to you now setting up this organization. Yeah. And would you say pass the torch? Because you're not... Yeah. You would say pass the torch? Because well, you're not done yourself. Do you think pass the torch or give out other torches yeah. that maybe Probably have stemmed? Um, what's important to me is that this organization grows. So, I mean, it's working. I, I'm surprised by joy every time I look at how this organization is, is turning out. So when it, when it began initially, um, yeah, when it began initially, I don't, I just had a vision that I just kept putting one foot in front of the other until I saw it begin to grow. Mm -hmm. And how it is growing is just beyond my wildest dreams. It's, it's fast. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's fast and it's sturdy. So one, one, a key thing for me is not to grow too fast. You know, it's to allow the organization to grow at a pace that is sustainable. Um, but it's really, really exciting to see. When I began the process of putting this organization together, it was because I thought of all the things that I would, if, if there was an ideal institution don't institution is not the word I but you know. know but coming from the background of of this realm of ceremony is owned by institutions of all different types and that frustrated me so that right if i was to find an organ create an organization that fits in there without being an institution what might that look like without being rigid without being hierarchical without being patriarchal and that actually leverages privilege so that it is as inclusive as it can possibly yeah. be. Um, and that's a growth curve all the time. I mean, that's a real learning edge always. Um, but that, that vision stays strong. That was the, the foundation for getting the organization up and running. Um, so for me, I realized then pretty quickly that it's not possible for me to be out holding all the ceremonies that I was and driving the organization um, forward and holding it steady. Both I had to choose need one or the other. A lot of attention. It needs a lot of attention. Yeah. It needs a lot of love, and it needs a lot of delicate feeling into what is what is right, what is the right track, yeah. because you can easily go off course. Um, so I, in terms of where I'm fitting in terms of, with ceremonies, 
I want to be in here in City Sanctuary holding ceremonies and then pass the torch to the team of amazing celebrants that we have so that they can go out and do the, um, hold the ceremonies in other venues around the country. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to be traveling anymore and holding ceremonies. I mean, at one point I was holding nine ceremonies a week last year. That was at, now I will say with a caveat, that was ceremonies that were overflow from COVID. COVID, yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend that for any celebrant. But at that point I realized, how can I possibly be, be doing this, holding all the weddings, and also, I love to hold funerals. Yeah. And funerals need space. Um, so in order to run the organization and hold my funerals, um, I, needed, I need to step back from the um, wedding side of things. So mm-hmm. my diary for this year is still pretty busy, but for next year, the weddings are few and far between. And I'm, I'm happy to keep it that way. I'm really happy to, um, to pass on the ceremonies because I love focusing on growing the organization. Yeah, love that. Love that. Um, and you touched on so many things there that we're going to go into later because basically this episode is about the organisation yeah. and is about what we stand for, why you felt there was a space opened or needed for this organisation. And I think you've kind of already touched on that. But we're kind of going to delve into that a little bit deeper. Uh, my celebrant story is different and shorter and I've only been a celebrant a year now um and it basically I can sum it up really quickly another person in the organization Renee Von Medding trained with you uh she's a very good friend of mine uh, she didn't tell anyone that she was training when she was training, but I was actually working with her on a project at the time and we used to see each other every Sunday. Then she announced, I'm a celebrant on her Instagram page. And she met me, I think it was either that day or that week or very close to the time and to have a drink to celebrate the project we were doing. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? And she was like, um, I just wanted to keep it for myself. It's a very personal journey. And at this point, I was like, I wouldn't have even understood that. I was like, okay. And Renee said to me, you should consider being a celebrant. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Maybe a couple of my friends in the past have talked about being a celebrant. And it's just, it wasn't something that I was like, no, that's not for me. It was just something that I never even was like, oh, maybe I'll do that. It was just either a conversation about, a friend wanting to do it or in this case Renee being like I've done it and then I don't know how the next steps happened but she got me in contact with you we had a zoom call I don't know what you remember from that zoom call but I always say I felt like I was very like and what's this organization and what do you stand for and I think I did even ask is this a cult (laughs) (laughs) you know I think I want but I needed to know because I have my own relationship with religion and faith. And I was like, I'm not getting into something unless I know what it stands for. And you were able to answer all my questions, all my queries. um, And then after that, you were like, I'd really like you to come do this. Um, So I started in January 2022. Like it's really recent. And... The first three months, I was genuinely like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe. This is great. I love a self-development course. I love, you know, 
working on myself, learning about myself, learning about other people. So the course was amazing and I was enjoying it. And a lot of people were already established celebrants. And I was still like, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't see myself in the space. And it wasn't, it's interesting that you said funerals, that that's where your focus is on. Because it was the weekend that we took time and space to learn about funerals that was the turning point for me because that weekend I wasn't actually there for the first day because my neighbor had died and I went to I sang at the funeral so I'm a singer first and foremost um or well it's all mixed up now but at the time singing was before COVID singing was the main thing um and I sang at the funeral and his daughter got up at the end and said are you the eulogy and it was beautiful and it was funny and it was uh personal and it was great and I was just like that's what the whole ceremony should be and I came in the next day and you were like we're doing funerals and I was like that's strange and then everyone had done a task the day before where they had to get up and say someone else's eulogy in the room and me and one of uh, the other women that I trained with Neve we were like, great, we got away with that because that's hard. Yeah. Um, and then Karen was like, oh, sure, Neve and Fergal, on your lunch break, why don't you take a couple of minutes and you can come back and do it? And we both came back and we did it. And I just remember Neve's reaction. And I remembered the feeling I had sharing those words. And I think that was the moment I was like, I want to do this. I really love this. And then the rest of the course, I could kind of start seeing myself doing it more and more. But then it wasn't until I did my first wedding last July in Austria for two of my most gorgeous friends, Hugh and Jill. And the experience was, it was like, oh, I get it. Everything came together. And I was like, I understand all my gifts are flowing in this space and it felt really right and just the feedback from people I was like yeah like you know when people give you feedback and you're like I I felt that like you're saying to me you were this and I was like I was feeling that and that was really interesting I don't know if I'd ever had that before and then since then it's been you know I haven't really thrown myself out into the world, but it's really just come about in a really natural way, all the weddings that have come my way. And then I ended up doing my first funeral because you couldn't do a funeral and I stepped in. And again, it's around language. I was driving home and it's not that I was like, I really enjoyed that. I was just like, I was so comfortable in that space that it was another thing that made me go, okay, I get it. I get my place in this space and then I did my first baby naming ceremony and I was like okay and each step I take in this journey which has been less than a year well I consider the whole training part of the journey so a year and a bit has just further confirmed that I'm like okay I have a place in this space and I think as well I love it and it goes back to what you were saying about I very much get a lot and enough from it to be able to create and do for people what I want to do. Like as in I'm getting enough satisfaction in myself and in the position I'm in to then be able to serve 
the couple or the person who's passed on or the baby, you know, whoever it is. So that's kind of like my journey. So I feel like you're experienced, you know yourself in this space and I feel like I'm figuring it out. And that's another reason doing this podcast from a personal point of view. I'm like, I'm so intrigued because I also feel like you're at the start of a journey as well. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not that I'm leaving behind other careers um, like I do podcasting, I'm a singer, I have my own um, cabaret evening, uh, I'm a teacher. There's all other roles and I feel all those roles get certain parts of me and in a weird way being a celebrant, all those parts are mixed up into it um, and it's really nice. But I like being at this part of my journey, knowing you're starting your part of the next chapter um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about me. I don't know if it's as interesting as yours, but... Oh, but I love hearing it. I love hearing your experience of the training and yeah. coming into the organisation. Because for me, the training as well is based on... I've been part of various different trainings over the years, and I saw gaps in all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and also, having been a person who... I mean, it was back in 2013, I think I started my training, and... I stepped into this, this kind of very new arena of celebrancy, non-denominational, non-religious celebrancy, and it was completely new. So this training is based on all the things that I wish had been in the train. you know, somebody yeah. had taught me. Um, the practical stuff, the how to actually earn an income through this, how to get yourself mm -hmm. known, how to speak to funeral directors, how to speak to families, how to... Uh, speak to couples. What you know? How to how to even filter yeah. your questions down to the bare minimum? Not to be so not to be bombarding couples with lots and lots of questions. Um, and uh, you mentioned something there, Ferg, about um, the, you know standing up oh, in your lunch break, um, do the eulogy piece. And I really laugh at that because it could sound like that was a flippant comment or whatever. And it really, the, the, I, know, I know that's not what you mean. Yes, but, yes, um, no, I know. But, but what I'm going to say is that a big part of the training is teaching people to have the confidence from the sole of their feet that when they're put on the spot, they can, you can do this. Yeah. When you're a true celebrant and a true minister and a true ceremonialist can hold ceremony no matter where they are with zero information other than what they see right there in front of them. And that to me is a real key for the difference between, I'm going to say commercial celebrant if that sounds okay, um, versus somebody who actually has really worked on themselves and is bringing their celebrancy from a heart, from a very deep personal space. Um, yeah. And you two just brought it to life and, and trainees do it all the time. They absolutely shock themselves with how much, if I say to some, somebody in advance, you know, stand up there and hold a ceremony, they will go to pieces and panic. Yeah. But actually when, when they kind of do it before they realize what they're doing, <laughs> it, You prove amazing. so much to yourself. Yeah, and, you, and the, the only person you ever need to prove anything to is yourself. And once you've done it once, you can bring that to the world then over and over again. Yeah. And that l just lights me up to see people yeah. do that. I love it. And what's interesting about, because hearing you speak and you had to be like, I started in 2013 and you said earlier, I'm creating a space that maybe wasn't there for you. Yeah. Um, and I feel so privileged that this space, because I feel like my journey started with almost everything that I felt aligned with was there for me to train. And I don't know if I would have went on this journey if, let's say, Entheus, this type of organisation wasn't there because I'm so... Um, I'm so stubborn, I suppose, yeah. is the word, in being like, I can't get involved in something 
Yeah. If I don't feel aligned to and it. nor should you. Yeah. Um, and that was a part, I mean, you were a breath of fresh air. You probably felt, you know, when you described yourself, maybe confrontational or whatever the word might be, stubborn. I loved that. I find that so refreshing because I'm like, yeah, I only want people in this organization who understand the vision for it, which is to not fall yeah. into all those traps. And I mean, we'll do a whole podcast on, is this a cult? <laughs> There's another name. Because that's an important question. It is because it's a question that you get. Yeah. You know, because I think an important thing to say is Entheus Ireland is a religious organization. Yeah. We are on the religious register. Yeah. And that can make some people go, mm, not interested. Yeah. Or some people be curious and ask more questions. Um and you don't want to be on the defensive, but yeah. you want to give the information. Yes, this is a religious organization, yeah. but I'm not a religious person by what I know of the word yeah. religion yeah. meaning to me. Yeah. You know, so it's... Like it makes me go, the word religion makes me go, yeah. I wish we didn't have to use that word. But, but ironically, that word makes us be able to be more inclusive. Because being yes. on the register on the religious side means that we can hold ceremonies that are re as religious or not as people want it. Whereas yeah. if we were on the secular side, we could only hold secular ceremony. And that would then exclude people who maybe were marrying a person, who, a person with no faith marrying a person with a faith. Um, we want to be able to incorporate everything for everybody. And, and it's unfortunate yeah. that comes with the, the tag that says religious. But the organization actually meets all the criteria of a religious body. Yeah. In that, but we're non-denominational. We're a very inclusive religious body so yeah we'll keep doing that word but I think our it's word is loaded yes i think it's going to be great to this is exactly why i want this podcast space to yeah. talk about those things so people can really get an insight um like there's so many great things about religion like community yeah, yeah. um like music music <laughs> like there's so i think hymns yeah. are absolute bops yeah. the community aspect is is phenomenal exactly that's what people miss that's what, exactly you know, you know so yeah that's definitely one and it's what people miss when they've been excluded from faith paths and that's mm. what lights a fire under me to create a new organization where people I mean, i'm looking at that inclusive pride flag up there gloriously in the window yeah because i have held ceremonies for couples who are bereft who are grief stricken because they would they longed to be married within the church of their faith mm -hmm. and that church said no we do not recognize same-sex couples or marriages or whatever. We, we only recognize a certain type of marriage and you fall outside of that category. So no, we're not going to marry you. Yeah. I can't fathom it. I can fathom it because it's about power and control and all those things. But when setting up this organization, I was like, how can, how could an organization exist that could actually address all that and still hold its own in the world, still, you know, exist properly in the world. And all the time, every decision that, was being made about Antigas Ireland has to take into account human nature. Yeah. And these are one of the things, you, know, you can have this idealistic organization that works on paper, and then you bring people in and it doesn't quite work. Um, so that's why we, like not having a hierarchy, having leadership from within the organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the line between leadership and hierarchy is a fine one. Very fine. And it's one that I try to navigate all the time because for a while I think I was trying too much to not you know, I wasn't quite sure, but I realized that the organization needs leadership from somewhere, yeah. um, but always in conversation with everybody, always with, you know, input from everybody yeah. and with committees and with, you know, different ways that we can share the decision making. I think that's a really yeah. key. I think so. And I think all of these answers, questions, 
are going to come up over yeah. this podcast series. And we need a whole episode on the social enterprise side of things because yeah. we haven't even touched that. And that's a big part. There's so team. much. Let me drive you back to, because this episode is to just almost introduce Entheus yep. to people. <laughs> um, and I think you've explained a lot about it. And even just saying everything you said there will give people a sense of what yep. the organization is. So I suppose I don't necessarily want to be like, I don't want to go to the question of why did you why did you think that there was a space for Entheus? Because mm-hmm. I think in a way you've answered that. Yeah. Do you feel? But what I think might be interesting is giving people maybe some of the values of Entheus yeah. because I know how important they are to this group. So one part of as well, what what inspired um, the the new organisation was, um, when I looked at the options that a couple might have when they decided they want to be married, what organisation they might go to. To me, the Register of Solemnizers in this country was looking very, controversial statement, but it was looking very cisgendered, heterosexual, heteronormative, white, um, middle class, able-bodied, you know, all of, it was all very samey. And I was trying to figure out how could we have an organization that could actually encourage people who fall outside of those categories to train as celebrants so that they are available to people who identify with them mm-hmm. and who want to hold a ceremony with somebody who is from within their own community or somebody that they, I, that they resonate with. Yeah. Um, so accessibility was a key piece of that. So our training program, we have scholarship programs, we have various different, I mean, anybody coming towards us, if finances are an issue and they can demonstrate that they're a really good candidate for the training, um, absolutely, we are delighted to work with everybody on that because we want, because diversity is is key. Yeah. Um, So that's diversity being one of the keys. Um, And accessibility is one that actually just came up up there. Uh, A city sanctuary that we're in at the moment is all on the flat. That was a really key part for our, I mean, technically this is our place of, what would be called a place of worship. But if we want to hold ceremonies that are inclusive, where, where either the couple or their guests or whoever don't need to feel othered, you know, don't need to feel, oh, well, this one person needs, you know, wheelchair access. So suddenly they feel like they're a burden on everybody else. Yeah. We want it to be that we don't have to ask the questions. <laughs> we can accommodate everybody. So accessibility is another key. And, and also that includes financial accessibility, physical accessibility, all kinds. I mean, we have a space for people with neurodiversities if anybody wants to step out and have a bit of quiet space. Um, we're working on constantly anything that somebody can see that we could improve on. It is our goal to improve yeah. on that. Um, choice is a big piece as well. Again, that we have a celebrants that somebody can actually look at a panel of celebrants and say, that is the person that I resonate most with and I choose that yeah. person. And we go, brilliant, great, off you go. And consent is a real key as well. Um, very often there's various different pieces of, of ceremonial life where it may not be conscious or overt, but consent is really important and that nobody gets surprised during ceremonies um, by something that, you know, might be jarring, that our language is inclusive all of the, like, all of the time. I'm constantly, I know people hear me harping on within the organisation, but I'm always like, practice using inclusive language because we use heteronormative language so often, we use gendered language so often. Um, we, use very, we use language in ways that when we're not actually mindful of what we're saying, if we were to then try and say, right, today I'm holding a ceremony, I'm going to switch on my inclusive language, that's not how it works. Exactly. Our celebrants use, we live the values of the organisation all of the time. 
And it's not a role you're stepping exactly, into. Yeah, it's not like here's a half hour ceremony. I'm going to, you know. Yeah. So we need people who really are committed to being that change in the world. All, through all of their life, not just... And that's integration as well. You know, if you're like, mm. oh, now I'm a celebrant. That doesn't work. It has to be that no matter where you are, if you're getting on the bus, you're... Not that you're a celebrant, <laughs> but, but you know, but Walking onto the bus everywhere. like, <laughs> hello, everybody. You may all be seated. Welcome to the 15 today. <laughs> may you all take your seats. I'm you delighted could. to be here today. <laughs> Can I just say, Ferg has just ex- exhibited the perfect ceremony on the spot. I'm just going to walk home and start <laughs> ceremonies the whole way home. You just held a 15A <laughs> ceremony there on the spot. And see that you've shifted into ceremonial language. And if you did that on the bus, okay, people might think, okay, there's something up with this fella, <laughs> this person. But um, they also might go, oh, it's ceremonial language. It, it hits a spot somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, something is happening here. No. Take that with a pinch of salt. But yeah. you know what I mean? When we switch into the kind of um, space of ceremony, energetically something shifts and people listen from a different um, perspective, I think. Definitely. And what I love, just with you saying that, is I love being in that. And I think I, because I'm a performer, I do bring that part of being a performer. But what I found in being a celebrant is I can be myself and be a performer and they mix really well together. Yeah. So I love coming to a space and using ceremonial language, but finding how I use it so it sounds really natural. Yeah. That's been a really interesting kind of little like um journey for me. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to make it sound like you're other, you know, I, I'm different to you and I use this language and you don't. You want to use language that people actually feel belongs to them. You yeah. know, that they feel included when exactly. they're when they're and I say hearing, but I mean, not everybody's hearing. But when they're experiencing that type of ceremony. Yeah. So exciting. I know. <laughs> so I think we've covered a lot there. I yeah. do think that as you've kind of mentioned, I know this is episode one, but like if anyone is listening to this and they're like, I have a few more questions um, or I would love them to explore this area. I, I'm so conscious because I come from the podcasting mm. world I never thought being a celebrant and being a podcast would ever mix. And I was really cautious about that. And it just kind of came about the right time where I was like, no, actually, there's a lot of conversations to be had. But what I do want to say is we're not going to be talking about specific ceremonies or specific experiences of people that we've worked with or other celebrants you know that's not what this space is about it's it's a space where we can represent the industry or not represent the industry but represent the organization as respectfully as possible and we will be bringing in other celebrants who will talk from their perspective in a hope to show everyone the different types of people that we have and you might you know, we might bring someone in and someone might be like, oh, I'd love them as my celebrant. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it would be great if people did reach out. Yeah. Like if people did, I think podcasting is a conversation starter and I do kind of want to hear and be led by people being like, you said this, what did you mean about that? And being like, ah, we can sit down and discuss yeah. that. So do you want to let people know what the Instagram page for Entheus Ireland because that might be the easiest you don't know I'm really hoping it's (laughs) (laughs) I'm really hoping it's at Entheus Ireland (laughs) I think it is Um, at Entheus Ireland Ireland. yeah Yeah. Um, yes I think if you drop a few like 
some DMs in there. And yeah, no, I would love, I, I, we would love that. Yeah, I think so. Because we don't want to be harping on about things that people aren't particularly no. interested in. And I'm really like cautious and you've had this experience with stepping into a leadership role, yeah. but it not being hierarchy. And if it's just the two of us sitting here, we can bounce ideas off and then it just becomes us. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think that being a celebrant, you have to be, and being part of this organization, yeah. you have to constantly be like challenging yourself and talking to other people. Yeah. So I am kind of hoping people will kind of be like, oh, I want to know a bit more about this or I want to know a bit more about Karen or Ferg yeah. or their and, thoughts on this. And there's nothing this. that we have said in this, in this uh, episode so far that hasn't been taught to the nth degree and dissected. So I'm only delighted to dissect things yeah. further. I mean, and I'm already going back thinking, oh, you know, the language that we've used so far in the podcast, I've clocked myself a couple of times using language and different things. So I'm like... I think that's an important yeah. thing because I think as we're putting these episodes out and as we're talking to other celebrants, I think we should make a pact that we're going to get things wrong, yeah. but we'll still put them out there yeah. But one of the great things about the training is naming something. Yeah. So if we say something that we're like, I'm not quite sure, I think we'll we'll just name it or we'll revisit it in another episode yeah. if we're like, that wasn't quite right. Because I think that's important to this group is that we're coming as who we are today yeah. Yeah. and then hopefully like growing and learning. And I think that these conversations can really help us as celebrants as well yeah you know and i'm going to actually say here that um having had critics and criticism and sabotage and all those kind of things anybody that is listening to us with a critical head on we will invite you <laughs> to step into your compassionate heart <laughs> and go easy yeah because we are i mean we're only trying to bring i don't even want to say good to the world because that sounds binary we're just trying to be real. We're trying to be authentic. We are doing our best to actually bring some change to the world. And maybe, if people are listening and feeling critical, maybe it's an invitation to bring some of that change into your own world. Do you know what we're trying to do? What are we trying to do? Reimagine ceremonies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. I couldn't be prouder of myself in that very moment. Um, but yeah, no, this is episode one. Yeah of Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheus Ireland. I'm Fred Curtis. I'm Karen Dempsey. And that's us for this week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Woo! Woo!